Welcome to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Giving you an exclusive look into Grand Canyon University Athletics with news, special guests, memorable flashbacks, and more. It's the Lopes Insider Podcast. On this episode, we'll talk to a college basketball Hall of Famer who will still help GCU in the coming years and a two-sport Lopes standout who has grown her game to international levels. The basketball legend? None other than coaching great Homer Drew, whose son Bryce is now at the helm of a GCU men's basketball program that will benefit from the presence of the man who coached Bryce at Valpo. Later, we will hear from Tegan DeFalco, who has helped the ascension of the Lopes indoor volleyball and beach volleyball programs while earning a spot on national teams. All this and more is ahead on episode number 11 of the Lopes Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 11 as some basketball workouts get underway at GCU with precautions. Let's take a look at what's happening in Lopes Athletics with news and notes. Well, we open with an impressive hire to the baseball staff that doubles a bit of a homecoming there, Paul Coral. That's right. John Wintey grew up in the Valley and played at Brophy and ASU, but he's been the in the college coaching game for about 22 years after spending his last six years at UT Arlington. He's going to take over as the Lopes pitching coach and inherit a heck of a staff that Andy Stankiewicz and Greg Wallace have assembled. Yeah, he did a tremendous job at Arlington where he had the associate head coach gig, recruiting coordinator, pitching coach. Uh, staff had a 2.43 team ERA, ranked 18th in the nation. So excited to add him to the staff of GCU Baseball. And elsewhere, the WAC announced a delay to the start of fall sports due to COVID, Paul. Right. These situations remain fluid, but the conference did push back the start of competition for women's soccer to September 10th, uh, volleyball and men's soccer to September 16th. But more information certainly will be forthcoming as the the WAC consults its medical advisory group. Yeah, I'm ready to get going. I'm sure everybody's ready to get going, Paul. Can't come soon enough, man. Yeah, good to see a little bit of life on campus. We're getting closer. Hopefully some better things are on the horizon for competition. That's a wrap on news and notes. uh, But uh, you can always keep up with the latest Lopes news on GCULopes.com or the GCU Lopes app. All right, it's trivia time. Uh, last week, GCU women's basketball head coach Molly Miller joined the podcast. Now, she is the active winning percentage leader among all basketball coaches at any NCAA men's or women's level. She went 180 and 17 at Drury to put her at a remarkable 91.4%. Now, which coach has the highest all time winning percentage in D1 women's basketball history? And clue, this person is still working on it. You knew this one, right, Paul? Yeah, because I wrote the question. <laughs> I knew it, too, just because I know everything about women's D1 basketball. All right. The answer is coming up toward the end of the show after we hear from our special guests. And here we go. GCU picked up a heck of a package deal when it hired Bryce Drew as its new men's basketball head coach in March. Also coming to Phoenix is his father, Homer, who was inducted into the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame in November for 640 wins and taking Valpo to seven NCAA tournaments, including a Sweet 16 run with Bryce playing in 1998. Now, Homer wants to be an asset to Bryce's Lopes program on and off the court. Barry Butel talked to Homer for his perspective of GCU, his son, and how he can help on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Well, it is a uh, distinct pleasure to be joined here by Basketball Hall of Famer Homer Drew on the Lopes Insider Podcast. And Homer, 
Thank you so much for your time today, and I hope that you and your family are all doing well during this uh, this pandemic we are all experiencing. It is a crazy time for all of us, no matter what state that we're in or even what country we're in, since the pandemic goes worldwide. But it is different, but we're excited to be in Phoenix. The people have been wonderful, and we were able to find a house and closed on it and moving in. So uh, things are moving very nicely. And hopefully this darn coronavirus will move completely out and get it all under control here someday soon. Yes, hopefully indeed. So we can uh, have a full basketball season that uh, I'm sure all Lopes fans and all of all of the uh, world are hoping for. As uh, w- many uh, listeners have heard, your last name is Drew. And the Lopes have a, a new basketball coach with the last name of Drew, and it happens to be your son, Bryce Drew. Can you kind of talk about uh, how the news was received on your end as far as him being named the, the new head coach of the Lopes? I was thrilled. Uh, it was like an answer to prayer. Uh, after uh, a year with uh, ESPN, he was really excited to get back into coaching and uh, the opening at Grand Canyon uh, was good timing for him and he really enjoyed the people, uh, especially President Mueller, uh, and the philosophy and the vision uh, that he has for Grand Canyon University. So very excited. And um, when he hired uh, my son-in-law, Casey Shaw, uh, who married my daughter, Dana, it was even more exciting because now we have five grandkids in Phoenix. So it was an easy decision to, to come and and follow Grand Canyon University, but also to follow five grandchildren. Yeah, I had the uh, the pleasure to chat with uh, Casey after he was uh, announced as uh, an assistant coach on on Bryce's staff. And man, his energy is is contagious. He's excited, uh, and I'm sure Lopes fans are going to be excited too to to have a big man on the staff work with with one of our preeminent players in Alessandra Labor. And uh, I'm sure his entire staff is excited to to come to Phoenix as well. They are. They're looking forward to being able to work with the players. And then, of course, everyone has the question about, you know, will we have fans? Will we have a season? So uh, a lot of uh, questions have to be answered. But Casey does have that energy. He was drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers and played in the NBA and then played uh, professionally over in uh, in Italy as well. So he brings a great deal of experience in and he's a very good teacher, especially to the bigs. Now, if you look back at, at your Hall of Fame career, you were, uh, I, I believe you were around 44 years of age when you uh, spent a year at uh, Indiana South Bend after a long tenure at Bethel. And and as you look at Bryce, he, he comes in at the age of 45 and and uh, you did quite a job in your 22 seasons at, at Valparaiso. Uh, can you reflect back on those early days of, of taking over a Valpo team that had transitioned from what D3 to D1 uh, true and it uh, it was a, a building process and um, it, I've been blessed with three children and Scott our oldest uh, is the head coach at, at Baylor and so he was my assistant coach for 10 or 11 years I think as, as an assistant with Scott and then Scott took the job at Baylor and of course uh, they had an electrifying year last year they were 26 and four, and hopefully it looked like a number one pick in in the re, in the four regions. So it was a it was a difficult time for Scott and the and, yeah. and the Baylor uh, basketball team. And then we had our youngest son was Bryce, and then a, a daughter Dana in between. But Bryce was uh, 
uh, when we moved into Valparaiso, he uh, played since his freshman year in high school and led them to the state championship game in Indiana and then lost that one in overtime, which was a thriller. And then uh, he had his opportunity to go to many different universities. But um, I told him that he wouldn't get a car unless he came to Valparaiso University. So um, he chose Valparaiso University. I did not say that, Barry. <laughs> no, no, in no, of course not. You, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but there was a, a, a true story uh, uh, that we had that the coaches that he was interested in, from Clemson to Notre Dame to Wisconsin, came in to visit us in our home, and so we had Bryce make up a list of ten questions to ask the coaches, and then uh, his mother and I were quiet and let uh, Bryce conduct that interview. So. It was educational for me as a coach to listen to what the other coaches were telling my son. But then uh, the, the thing I did say to Bryce, I said, we'll li- listen to all these coaches. And as a dad, I want you to pick where you feel you need to go best. Just give me one thought. And that is that uh, you that I get to come in for a home visit last. So he said, yes. So everyone had come in. And so I went out the back door and then came around and, and rang the doorbell in the front door to come in to do my home visit with Bryce. <laughs> and my wife, Janet, opened up and said, oh, he, no one's home right now. And then closed the door. <laughs> so, oh, that's cruel. So that was really cruel. I agree <laughs> with you, Barry. Very cruel. Indeed. But, but very funny at, at the time. And so then I did get the last visit and uh, then Bryce did choose to come to Valparaiso, which led us to Four wonderful glory years at Valparaiso University, concluding with a Sweet 16 appearance and beating Ole Miss on a shot that is still one of the top three shots in all of uh, March Madness, and then beat uh, upset uh, uh, in the second game, Florida State, in overtime. So played two really, really good games, and then Bryce, of course, was drafted in the first round, number 16, and uh, by the Houston uh, Rockets. But uh, but I had Bryce for after. He was through playing. Um, his dream was to play one year in the NBA, and he ended up playing six years. And then he came back and helped coach with me six or seven years uh, before he got the head job at Valparaiso University when I retired. So I've been really blessed to have uh, both Scott and Bryce longer uh, than most dads get them because I got to work with them and um, be a part of, of seeing them grow and develop in the world of basketball. You've, you mentioned the, the 98 uh, buzzer beater against Old Miss coming in as a, a fourth seed was uh, Old Miss. Um, that, that's amazing to, to watch that over and over and all the nuances that, that played out after Bryce had initially missed the long range shot with about 4.1 seconds left to go. And then a quick foul and, uh, uh, Cisse was at the foul line and, and lo and behold, he misses both free throws. Uh, the rebound comes out and, and then just, it was an amazing, uh, just sequence of, of plays, the inbound Jenkins quick toss over to Bryce. And, and then he hits it with about, I think there was 2.5 seconds left to go on that clock. I mean, that was just a historic, uh, timing of events too. You, you were able to call the timeout between the free throws, uh, are the memories as vivid as, as I'm uh, kind of relaying them back to you? It's always fun to relive them. And 
through uh, uh, Jamie Sykes, who was drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks, was our center fielder for Valparaiso University in baseball. So it was uh, an easy decision to let Jamie throw the pass, and he faked it. The Ole Miss player jumped, and then um, Jamie threw the ball to Bill Jenkins, who jumped between two Ole Miss players. And it was, I mean, and Bill made a great catch in the in the in the air and then did a little touch pass to Bryce who was streaking down the sideline and then did make the shot uh, when, and all the players were, you know, why do we practice these last second shots? You know, we never get a chance to use it. So, but all coaches have those like that full court with, with under three seconds, you know, what do you do? And so um, all those years of practicing that it, it, what we saw on TV was the best that had ever worked, even in practice all the time. So uh, it was it was a special event for uh, our team and for our community and for Valparaiso University. How important is uh, culture to a team? Uh, you know, reading back and when you came into Valpo, you you had a philosophy about building a tradition. Uh, it was it got off to a great start uh, in '88 with that miracle on Union Street, knocking off Notre Dame. They were nationally ranked at the time, but. Obviously, you had some some building to do and and a culture of winning at Velpo. Um, how important, obviously, is that for for Bryce coming into a new program? Very much so. Just to uh, work with the players who are there, and then uh, take those players, and then build with the new players that you recruit, and then blend them together. So that takes time to develop that and and get that chemistry of the players knowing each other and, and working with each other. Uh, to do that. So uh, culture is, is just huge because uh, the culture allows the team to reach its full success. And and when you learn to share the basketball, learn to be happy for your teammates' success, it just motivates the whole team to another level. So culture is, is very, very important. You've mentioned uh, relocating to Arizona as well. And uh, you, you paid a visit here to Arizona uh, one in which back was, I believe it was 1996. I'm not sure if you remember this or not. You had mentioned uh, some of those past Hall of Famers after your induction in the Hall of Fame and uh, Lute Olson and Rick Majerus and, and others were a part of that. And you, you mentioned playing the University of Arizona down here. And uh, it was a great, great story uh, when you were relaying it a little bit. Obviously, uh, you've got uh, a past history with some of the, the legendary coaches of the game. It, very much so. And had known Lute Olson since he was at Iowa before he came down to Arizona. And then this was the first time in the history of Valparaiso University that they ever got to go to the NCAA tournament. So we were all excited. Well, we didn't realize we were playing Arizona in Arizona at ASU. And that place was packed. But we were excited to play. I won't share with your fans what the score was, they can look it up, but it was, mm. it was a great learning experience for us. And at that time, um, uh, Bryce was, uh, uh, just a sophomore. And so by the time he was a senior, we had good experience going, uh, the third straight year to the NCAA tournament. We ended up doing something like seven or eight straight years, but the, um, uh, the building of that allowed for our success uh, when we did make it to the Sweet 16. I was really dejected. Arizona beat us soundly. We were very young, but we just did not perform very well. But I walked out and Bobby came up and I didn't know her at the time. She just introduced herself as, 
as the wife, the, the coach Olson, and said that your team is young and they're going to be back and keep your head up. And it was just special uh, that she would take time out to do that to the opposing coach. So I've always remembered that. And uh, of course, it, it kept Luke and I very close over the years in a long distance friendship as well. In the uh, couple of moments we have left, Coach, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Bryce and, and what type of man and what type of uh, coach is coming to GCU? Oh, would be delighted to. Do you have another hour that we can talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do a three-part series. <laughs> um, he's uh, a very, very good teacher of the game. He understands, has a great feeling for the game. He works and he'll take his players uh, and find offensively what is best for them as a, as a team. Uh, he's very team-oriented that if there's an open person, we want that ball into his hands. Uh, so he's a very good teacher of the game, very solid on defense. Defense has always been kind of his trademark when he was at Valparaiso University and at Vanderbilt University. The teams were always defensively very, very strong and, and played very, very hard. So the fans are going to enjoy uh, fast-breaking basketball uh, when they can and a defense that, that likes to – they get stops to, to keep them always in the game, even if the shots are falling short on, on evening. So, and he's a very good communicator with the players. He'll spend hours in the film room one-on-one -on -one with the players, just helping them see the bigger picture, help them improve on their skill level as well. So he's a very good teacher of the game. And, and besides all of that, Barry, he's a superb, every school he's been to, he's led to the NCAA tournament and excited for, uh, his opportunity here at Grand Canyon, he and the staff were excited because that's their goal is to get to the tournament. Saying all of that, Barry, he's even a better son. So that makes dad very proud. Fantastic. To, to close, I know at your, your banner raising ceremony when you return to Velpo uh, at center court, you, you talked a little bit about your faith. And I believe the quote was, uh, seek the kingdom of God and all things will come unto you. I know that the the Christian faith is one that is prevalent throughout the Drew family. Can you kind of talk about that as, as Bryce comes to a, a Christian university? Yes. Um, and he's very solid in his uh, relationship with Jesus. He reads the Bible. The team will they'll start with a prayer. They'll end with a prayer for practice. Um, he'll develop some um, little Bible studies or gems to, just to help them grow off the floor as well as on the floor. And uh, I'm just very proud, very blessed, and thank uh, God in, in my daily prayers to have uh, our three children who are, who are believers. And that makes uh, mom and dad very, very happy. Well, Coach, I, I cannot thank you for the time that you uh, set aside for, to chat with us today. I can't wait to, to meet you in person, and I hope you are able to join us on, on the broadcast to join me and Scott Williams alongside and, and uh, talk a little basketball. Uh, it would be my pleasure to do that, and let's get this uh, virus under control so we can have a full basketball season. That would be wonderful. Amen. Hall of Famer Homer Drew, our guest here on the Lopes Insider Podcast. The Call of the Week, presented by Copper State Credit Union, committed to you. It'll be good to have Oscar Freyer back in uniform next season doing Oscar Freyer things. The high flyer brings defense and shooting, but he brings fans off their feet with dunks like this one at Kansas City. They swing it around quickly. Freyer, oh, my goodness! 
Wow. Brought that one back from behind his head. Oh my goodness. Like he kicked, oh my gosh. Or this one at home against Florida A&M. Picked up by Oscar Freire. Wheels up. Bam! And who can forget this one at home against San Diego? Oh, my goodness! Now, there's, there's something about that. That was the call of the week, presented by Copper State Credit Union. Committed to you. Tegan DeFalco has been at the center of two GCU program builds. She has played three seasons for the indoor volleyball team that went 24-6 and last season, one of the best turnarounds in the nation. In her second season on the beach volleyball team, she helped the team to the top 10 and gained USA Volleyball recognition. Paul Coro talked to Tegan DeFalco about her impact with two programs on the Lopes Insider Podcast. There are 21 sports teams at GCU, and this podcast has found a way to represent two of them simultaneously. That is thanks to Tegan DeFalco, who is an integral part of building Coach Tim Nolden's volleyball program, and then also joined Christian Rohr's beach volleyball team to help that program get to a number seven national ranking when the spring season was cut short by COVID. And she's just as good of a person as she is a talent, so that's why it's a pleasure to have Tegan join us now. This is so weird talking to to you about your senior year coming for indoor volleyball. How's that hitting you? I know it's so weird. It feels like just the other day, me and you were talking and I was a freshman and you were asking you how I was feeling about being in college. <laughs> it was, I can picture it in Antelope gym and uh, you yeah. had already had a great uh, beginning on a, a road trip. I think Syracuse, right? Or you had gone yeah, on a tournament. Yeah. Yep. How fulfilling has it been to be part of how you all have transformed the volleyball program to such a sensational breakthrough last season and reaching the WAC tournament championship match. Um, this is, it's felt so amazing because this is what I've always wanted. Going into, uh, you know, college, that's, I wanted to be a part of a growing program. I wanted to make a difference and to see that hard work pay off last season was so rewarding for me. Yeah. You guys went 24 and six, one of the greatest turnarounds in the nation for any program, but you came to GCU and you know, you were talking about when we first met, you were needed as an outside hitter, despite <laughs> being cough, cough, <coughs> five foot eight. <laughs> I'm not even five, eight. I'm five, six, believe it or I not. Know, I'm being nice. The roster is nice. <laughs> that, <laughs> that must've been a lot of fun yeah. uh, for you as a freshman, but then being at libero the last two seasons, that's probably more of a fit for you. Yeah, for sure. I was really thankful that Tim even noticed me. At the time, I was a setter. So I've kind of played every position. <laughs> and the versatility for me was the most fun that Tim kind of let me have my own creativity on the court. And being able to transfer that from being an outside hitter to really understanding my hitters now to as a libero to know what I preferred as a hitter. So it, I think that it's really helped to, to make me a better all-around player. You might be only 5'6", but you got up there like the six-footers. <laughs> I did my best. You know, I had to put in a lot of work to reach the same same touch as all the other girls on the court. Well, then you take up beach last year in 2019, and that's been life-changing. You yeah. and your partner, Bella Bauman, wound up on the USA Beach Volleyball team at the U21s in Thailand. And finished tied for ninth in the world. <laughs> how, how incredible was that for the travel, the experience, the competition? Honestly, I like I will remember that trip and that experience for the rest of my life. That that was the moment that I realized, like, wow, 
wow, I really did that. Like that, that has to be one of the coolest experiences I've ever done so far. Well, then you were like, Paul, that was great. What a once in a lifetime experience to represent the U.S. Uh, I'll remember it forever. But then, nope, USA Volleyball comes back to you again. And they say, we're not done with you. And they picked you to be on the beach collegiate national team. I'd say it was crazy if you didn't deserve it so much. <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, I was blown away by that as well. We had that conversation last time where I was like, I mean, I was so thankful for that first experience. And thankfully, they just couldn't get enough of me. You know, it must be my personality or something because they wanted me back to the national team, the collegiate one. So I really can't complain. Probably an even split. 50-50 personality talent. (laughs) Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. So uh, we mentioned Bella before. How has this summer gone for you guys? Because you had all the disappointment of you know, rising to top 10 in the nation and hoping you were going to be at NCAs. And then you get this long off season where you two have dedicated your time to making each other better by spending it together. It goes to say the same thing as my passion to be a part of a growing program. And this last season was for sure that moment in beach. And me and Bella had put in so much work ever since the trials last summer. And to have that hard work be cut short was honestly devastating. That was so tough for Bella and I. And, but thankfully we've become such good friends over time that we kind of got to deal with that together. And as soon as, as soon as quarantine hit and as soon as the pandemic got pretty serious, me and Bella decided that it was probably for the best for our program and for ourselves, if we stuck together and kept training and kept working out and it just made life and the heartbreak of not having that season so much easier to be with my partner and to have like that good friend there support each other through that. How has this whole dynamic worked out with playing two sports on two teams? There's there's some crossover, but not a lot. And it's fall and spring. Yeah, um, it's actually really tough going from an indoor season and having it's like I, it's so hard to explain because people think, you know, beach volleyball, indoor volleyball, it's just volleyball. It's the same. But you would be surprised how challenging it is to have to relearn absolutely everything within a month span and sometimes even less time than that. Cause I have to be able to quickly adapt from indoor to beach and be able to, you know, write, snap it, get into the technique. And thankfully Joe and Kristen are fantastic coaches and give me a lot of leeway when it comes to learning the new tech, the techniques and getting back my sand legs. But, Oh man, it is a, it is challenging. Was that good for you? Because you guys got to that point uh, when you were 24 and six and you're in the WAC tournament championship game and you're one step away from the goal. And then did that help you kind of quickly reboot and not dwell on that disappointment of the finish? Oh, man, uh, that game was a heartbreaker for me, for sure. But to know that I was going into another season where I'm not done yet, I still have work to do. I still have I still have a goal in mind. It did help to come off of that loss and know that I was still working for something more afterwards. Well, back to the Team USA thing for a second. Your brother TJ has played for the men's national volleyball team. So how much has he been an example or a motivator for you to do the things he's accomplished internationally or at Long Beach State? Oh, man. TJ and I have been best friends. Like, we're probably the two closest siblings in my family. To have him to look up to, and he's been in the USA pipeline for years now. And so to have that growing up and just being like, wow, I want that. I I want that, but I also never thought that I was good enough to have that. And so when I did get invited to the USA trials, TJ had my back. He was like, dude, you, you've got this, like you're meant for this. You know what to do. You've watched me do it. You know, you know how I did it. Like, you know what to do. And to have that 
was like so helpful because he knows the inside and out of USA Volleyball. And to always know that if he can do it, he knows that he knows what to say to me to make me confident. It was such a help to have him and have that experience behind me. What about away from volleyball? What's been special about GCU for you just as a college student? Oh, man, I I have grown a lot since coming to college. And I honestly give a lot of props to Tim for that. Tim has really helped shape me into a really strong, independent woman. And he that was actually his sales pitch to me when he was recruiting me was, not only am I going to work on your volleyball side, but I want to work on you as a person. And he's really helped me to become very responsible. I'm My time management is much better than my freshman year. I used to be late to everything. I used to, yeah, I didn't, time didn't matter to me. In my family, we're Italian, so we're late to everything. And for Tim, that just wasn't good enough. And GCU has shaped me into being a really well-rounded person. Obviously, I still have a long way to go. I'm only 21, but I'm really thankful for the experiences that I've that I've got to be a part of at GCU. Wow. Well, I'm going to thank Tim because you were very punctual for this. So oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, before we go, uh, GCU sadly uh, lost a great student and good friend of yours recently, Remy Velarde. He'd been manager of the beach volleyball team for three years and passed yeah. away on the 14th while he was visiting his brother in Washington. What could you share with everyone about Remy and how he impacted everyone he met at GCU? Oh man, Remy. <sighs> There's not enough words to encompass that man. Like, I'm going to get a little worked. I'm going to get a little, ooh. he was amazing. And he is amazing. And he honestly, I don't think he realized how much he changed not only my life, but the people that he was around. He was just this ray of sunshine. You, you never had a bad day around Remy because there was no such thing as bad days for him. And he'd always come to practice with such such energy. And it's going to be something that we're all going to really miss. And me, especially because I feed off of energy and me and him fed off of each other all the time, no matter what interaction it was, whether it was we were passing each other by on our way to practice or class. I just, nothing will be the same for afterwards. He was, he was amazing. Yeah. That, that sentiment has been shared just it seems like consistent with everybody and everybody talks about the brightness he brought to their lives, whether it was with volleyball or he was working with uh, Canyon Ventures Center on campus, had a job waiting for him when he graduated in December. So thank you for sharing that. And the rest of your experiences at GCU so far, you truly are a joy to be around and watching you play with the spirit that you do. And so we wish you the best when you get back on campus and the court. And thank you for being on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. Wow, what a cool episode to hear from a legend in the game like uh, Homer Drew. And of course, GCU Volleyball legend in the making, Tegan DeFalco. Those are true winners. And speaking of winners, we reminded you uh, earlier that Lopes women's basketball coach Molly Miller is the active women's basketball leader for winning percentage at all levels. But who is the all-time leader for Division I women's basketball winning percentage? None other than Gino Oriyama. He's been uh, coaching at UConn since 1986. I don't think he's lost since 1986. Actually, he's lost a few. 1,091 games uh, in the W column, a winning percentage of 885. Not bad, Paul. Yeah, but not quite... 914, 91.4% for That's true. Molly Miller. That just shows how remarkable it was 
for what she did at Drury in light of Oriema built as a national brand at UConn. But you never know. Baylor's Kim Mulkey might still make a run at that. Or maybe even Molly Miller. She's going to get that run started this season. Well, we're sure looking forward to watching her program develop at GCU. That nearly puts us at the end of the episode. Before we bid adieu, what's in the works on GCLopes.com, Paul? Starting Monday, we'll begin a series on the women's basketball newcomers, graduate transfers, Nydasia Jackson, Chloe Akinotiko, uh, freshman Katie Scott, and Tiara Brown. I spent some time talking to them recently, and they're truly excited to be at GCU. They got personalities and skill sets that fit in really well. And so this is a fun time for them as the men's and women's basketball teams begin some team workouts at the GCU basketball practice facility this oh, week. Paul, so much excitement. Let's get it going. Are you ready? Let's get something going, man. Man, hearing some balls bounce on the hardwood, that's sweet sound. There you go. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us on episode 11. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family about it. Fastest growing podcast out there in D1 sports. So give it a listen and uh, tell everybody else to join in. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform and at gclopes.com slash podcast. Lopes up. <laughs>